This is Tennessee Titans Talk. Fellas, we're going to talk today about all of our draft picks. But first, fellas, how's everybody doing? In a way, I'm pretty much enjoying this. I get to go outside every day. I, I walk my dogs. My dogs are loving this. They get so much more attention. I'm out of school. I don't have work to do outside of some review. I get to do whatever I want. I can stay up as much as I want. If it weren't for the global ramifications of why I'm stuck at home, I would love it. You know, I was going to say I was doing good until Landon talked about his life right now. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm not so good because that sounds incredible. (laughs) (laughs) No bedtime, no nothing. Just walking the dogs and just chilling out. Well, I have a self-enforced bedtime. But <laughs> a self-enforced bedtime. Landon, you are the straightest arrow in the world. But it's just yeah, I don't want to stay up too late. My brother stays up till the early morning and he doesn't wake up till the afternoon. I can't do that. I don't like my day feeling wasted. And I gotta say, for a sixteen year old, your little brother, he doesn't look so great. His sixteen year old mustache is out of control. <laughs> He's obviously a guy who's been staying up all night playing video games and sleeping. So I think you might have made the, the, the right health decision there, Landon. I feel busier than ever. Working from home is harder. It's hard to to turn off knowing your computer is right here. And, you know, I don't typically work from home. So having all of my work stuff right here, it's hard for me to sometimes just turn off at five and go back downstairs with the family or, you know, on the weekends, not go up and check emails. It's, It's tough, but making it through. So let's cover some news and notes about the NFL and our team specifically, and then we'll get into what we think of our draft picks, and we're going to go through and we're going to give you guys some information on those guys so you'll know what to look for and kind of their background and how they fit, what role ideally they're going to fit with our team. Big fella, won our contest from last week, and the chocolate has been delivered. Chocolade. Chocolate Factory in Knoxville, my favorite chocolate in the world. Tell me about it, big fella. I wish I could, except it's all gone. <laughs> no, but uh, for real, it's it's really delicious chocolate. You know, there are a lot of great treats in there, and, you know, I've been enjoying it. It was Nathan had a hilarious idea to actually have it delivered in my wife's name, so she tried to lay claim <laughs> to it, and I had to kind of set her straight. I've shared the chocolate, and it's delicious. I have not let the kids eat it, but we just eat it when, when the kids go to bed, so... <laughs> It's delicious. Chocolade in Knoxville is owned by two Titans fans, uh, Andrew and Kelly Scott, best people you'll ever meet. You can go online. You can order from them. You can call them. They're easy to get a hold of. This way we did that just in a few days we had our chocolate, so I would encourage everybody to take advantage of them. And if you have a friend or someone that you've worked with that owns a small business, you need to understand, even if they're not asking you, you don't see them visibly panic. This is time for us to support folks that that do what they do so well and that are kind of there for us when life is normal. And we need to think about these folks. They work as hard as ever. We need to kind of look after that. My favorite thing that Big Fella said about the whole thing last week when we were competing for that chocolate, um, Landon didn't have the frame for that kind of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny. Guys, let's talk. I, it seems like our fan base is captivated by Jadavian Clowney Watch. And I know at the end of the draft, folks had said, well, I bet something happens Monday. I didn't think so. I think Jadavian Clowney, because of his injury history and what teams want to know about him, I, I think he's going to get – we're going to see a decision made much later. And although we've kept some money open, I think, I, I don't know what our plans are. It seems more – Evident now, Landon, in the next in the last day or two, especially that there's not going to be an imminent signing of Clowney, right? Now, all the reports we see are that he's not in a hurry to sign, and why should he? He's the best defensive player on the market. He's a Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher. A team that doesn't have edge rusher and needs him will pay him what he wants eventually. 
once they're able to vet out his medical concerns and they agree on a price, it, his job security isn't in question. But just with the situation, he knows he has the leverage where he can sit back, relax, maybe let a team get desperate, like the Titans. We could really use edge depth. If we think we're on the verge of a Super Bowl run, maybe we get, maybe he thinks we get desperate, we pay him a bit more just so we can have that kind of player on our roster. But all the reports are Seahawks, Titans, Jets are still in a clowny. No one is offering the money he wants, so either someone overpays or he settles, and it's not expected to happen for a bit of a while. John, even if it doesn't happen, for me, I know it's a lot of money to have, about $18 million in cap space, and you know it would have been nice to keep Casey. Uh, we don't know, especially with this season, what kind of weird things might happen with cuts, salary cap stuff. So it it might be interesting to see who comes free between now and then. So it's not a total loss if we don't get Clowney, right? I don't think so. And I've always said before, I, I really like Everson Griffin as our consolation prize. If we don't get Clowney, he's much cheaper, um, kind of a different role that he'd play because Clowney would be more of your, you know, edge rush outside linebacker and Griffin would be more of a edge rush defensive end type deal but there's still players to be had and like you said a lot of teams could make cuts before the season that could give us some interesting signees to to supplement the roster i think that can also be interesting um as well and i think we drafted well obviously we didn't draft a big time edge rusher but you know we're not that far away so i'll be curious obviously clowny would be huge but there are definitely definitely options for us if it doesn't happen guys let's talk about our signing jonathan joseph who most titans fans know is a longtime Houston Texan. We signed him. Uh, I don't think the uh, money has been made available yet. Is that right, fellas? I don't Not think yet, so. I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Just so, a one-year deal. He's a 36-year-old guy. He's depth. He's uh, NFL players don't do this as much. He's kind of ring chasing. Ring chasing. He wants to go to a contender. Prior relationship, of course, with Mike Vrabel. This is good depth, right? We need another body or two for sure uh, at corner. And although he. Will be he's 36 years old. He played well last season. I'm a big fan of it if Darquez Denard or Logan Ryan, the two top guys on the market, would have been too expensive for us. He's really old. He's not going to be here a long time, but he's been a starter for a long time. He's been okay. And if you can get an okay player as your fourth cornerback, your backup cornerback, as cheap as he'll probably be, you'll probably get a bit more than the veteran minimum, if not the minimum itself. To get a player of that quality for that cheap for a guy who's not even going to be on the field that much, like you said, it's great depth and it's a great way to shore up the roster, especially with Malcolm Butler returning from injury and Christian Fulton being a rookie. Yeah, I think kind of like what Landon said, you know, he he gets a, he gets us a lot of great depth. And yeah, I think he backs up some of our younger guys. So it could be really interesting. He's going to, he's going to have a role to play. Um, kind of like Tremaine Brock, we needed we needed him down the stretch last year, and he played pretty well. You know, he didn't play all pro caliber or anything like that, and I don't know if Joseph will do that. Will play that kind of level, but he'll be a solid veteran. What if he's our fourth guy? What if he's insurance for injury? He can play, and he's not cost prohibitive. So this is the kind of signing we haven't always been able to do, where he probably, for the money he's going to sign with us, you know, he had, he had other options. There's a lot of teams that would bring him into camp. But we're that team with a good, solid culture, scheme. I'll go here. We don't win those tiebreakers a lot, and we're, we're going to do that. We're going to continue to do that as long as we're um, kind of a contender and just sort of, I think with all the ups and downs and all the 
drama that goes on around several teams right now. It's like, oh, yeah, Tennessee. We know who the leader is. We know who it's going to be. We know who the coach is. Just no shenanigans. It's not a big deal to get Jonathan Joseph, but it might be a big deal if we have injury or other issues down the line. So him as a fourth or fifth corner for us uh, is going to be better than our fourth or fifth corner has been in ages. And one thing that you kind of touched on is the coaching staff. He has ties to both Mike Vrabel and our defensive backs coach, Anthony Mitchett. So he's got some ties. He's got some familiarity. So these guys, and obviously our, our coaching staff knows him as well. So they obviously think a fit is there. We're all in plus territory here with this signing. Before we get into, and, I, and I'm really excited to talk about our draft class, we've done our research, we knew about these guys going in, we've looked into them more deeply, so we want to kind of get into these guys so you can get to know them. But let's talk um, some NFL news. Um, Andy Dalton, of course, has been widely anticipated he would be released. He was. Um, I want to bring him up because to me it seems obvious, but you never know. He will have suitors. Uh, I would imagine he wants to, to try to go to a place where he can start. Everyone's going to say the Patriots. I really think the Patriots are locked in on Jared Siddham and Brian Hoyer. Jared Siddham is going to play well, and uh, I think he'll be a top-half NFL starter in 2020 if we have the season, and that seems bold, but you look at the draft picks they made the last few years, it makes sense. They're going to be a different type of team offensively. They're going to uh, be run-heavy, play-action heavy, and they're going to do a, a lot of interesting stuff. And they want an athletic young guy. They're going to not do a whole lot different from what we did last year, except we may, be, may not be quite as a, as a power running game. So I just want everybody to look to that. I don't think it's New England. I think it's Jacksonville. Jay Gruden is the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. Of course, he was in Cincinnati before he was the head coach for the Washington Redskins. They have a relationship there. That stuff usually matters. We've just got one guy in kind of leading the quarterback room in Jacksonville. So, Landon, am I right? Is that the leader in the clubhouse? I think it has to be. As much as Minshew Mania was fun, I don't really think he showed enough for you not to bring in Andy Dolan. Obviously, the Dolan line, Andy Dolan is pretty average. But for the Jags who... Are really just trying to climb out of the mud. But they're not trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Don makes a lot of sense. I think he's better than Minshew. He'll at least push Minshew to be better. And it's also because pretty much every other team, especially after the draft, has their quarterback situation of the future pretty set. Like the Chargers, they had Tyrod Taylor. You think maybe they bring in Don. They drafted Justin Herbert. There's no need for him. The Patriots, like you said, they shunned drafting a quarterback. They're going to see what Jared Stidham has. All the teams that could have used Andy Dalton drafted a guy for the future where Andy Dalton just doesn't make sense philosophically for the direction they're going in. You kind of hit the nail on the head. I, I We were texting about this earlier, and I was also kind of thinking that New England could be a spot, but obviously that's just because I've been drinking the Kool-Aid. That's what a lot of people have been talking about, about him going to New England, but I think Jacksonville makes the most sense. Another spot I could see him ending in is possibly Washington, but I think Ron Rivera is kind of looking to bring Cam Newton in if he can get a good physical. So somebody somewhere that could use a veteran quarterback, but I think Dalton makes the most sense in Jacksonville. Like Landon said, Minshew, he had a shot. He showed a little flash, and they chose to go away from him. Um, and, you know, he didn't do enough to impress the, the Jaguars front office, which, what's that tell you? I mean... So I think there's definitely a scenario where Andy Dalton winds up in Jacksonville, at least competes for a starting job, if not slides in immediately as a starter. All right, guys, let's talk our draft class. Of course, we talked a lot about on uh, our previous episode, our live reaction to Isaiah Wil- Wilson. If you haven't heard that, I would encourage you to uh, to look that up. Um, it does 
fit obviously a big need for us. And I think while some didn't love that pick, I think seeing our entire draft class in its entirety makes me think the whole thing kind of works. Uh, most of our draft classes the last four seasons have not been one the uh, the day after, but they've been solid and they've met needs. And I think I want to hear what you guys think, but it seems to me there's so many teams now that do really questionable things, and sometimes those work out, sometimes they're not. Of all the surprises we might have player-wise, it's obvious what our plan is, and we're sort of getting to like a lot of the long-term good teams. It's like, well, yeah, that's their kind of guy. They made their pick. Our pick is always kind of on par with need, even if not immediate, and with scheme, and every player that we pick is our type of player. Well, we'll start with you, John. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really liking the draft class. I was one of the first ones to, as we talked about, not be thrilled with the Isaiah Wilson pick, but I'm it, it's quickly growing on me. Obviously, we feel a really big need, and he can plug in right away at right tackle. So I'm on board with that, and we can set up for success, and he's a mauler, and I, I love it. With the hindsight of being post-draft, I like started to favor this draft class. It's still not my favorite. I still have questions about the Isaiah Wilson pick, but having Christian Fulton fall to us in the second fills an immediate need. Our third round pick, Darrington Evans, fills a need. Laryl Murchison fills a need. We filled holes right away. Edge rusher with Vic Beasley and Harold Landry was the most pressing need, but right tackle, third down running back, defensive line were bigger needs, so we drafted them. And there were some guys I liked more, some guys that are flashier, but we're in a win-down mode. We're trying to maximize our window, and you do that by minimizing holes on your roster. Guys, let's start with the 61st pick overall in this draft, our second-round pick, Christian Fulton. You referred to him, Landon. Uh, this guy is a corner, six feet tall, just under 200 pounds. John, we'll start with you on him. He was the best cover corner in college football last year. There's some questions about tackling, but he's kind of ideal for like a press man scheme. The fit throughout this is we pick guys that aren't like, well, how does he fit with us? I mean, he fits with us if he becomes a good player as far as what his strengths are and what we like to do. This guy who's originally from New Orleans was a big-time high school recruit. He had some weird NCAA thing where uh, he tried to fake a, mm-hmm. a drug test. Now, that was been now three years ago. Hasn't had any other trouble and he's been a two-year starter in 2018 and 2019 for them. Was really good in 18 and great last year. When I want our fans to think of this, this is just a really sticky guy in coverage, right? Now he needs to learn some other stuff. But as far as just a, a pure cover guy, he led college football in incomplete passes against last year. So, John, what's your initial thoughts of uh, Christian Fulton? All of the stuff that you just said, I echo it uh, 100%. And, you know, he one thing about him that uh, watching his tape, he's not afraid to go against your number one one number one receiver. Um, and there was a really cool stat that we saw after the draft that his stats versus Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and T. Higgins total, so against all three of them, 11 targets, three catches for 39 yards, zero touchdowns, and three pass breakups. I mean, that tells you what you need to know. Um, it also kind of highlights that Fulton's got that speed, and I think his I think his best ability is to he, he's really good against um, speed guys and vertical routes. So against those guys who are all super fast and you know stretch the field, he did incredibly well, and I think that's going to do well for us being in division because we have the likes of Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks against the Texans. We have T.Y. Hilton in uh, Indianapolis. We've got D.J. Shark and D.D. Westbrook in Jacksonville. So 
there are a lot of fast guys in our division, and I have a, a feeling that Christian Fulton is going to be able to keep keep up with all of them. And, you know, most of those team, teams that I've mentioned, they've got two of them. So you put a Dory on one, and you put Fulton on the other, and they're going to be able to stay with them stride for stride. Like you mentioned, in 2016, late fall was when he had a failed PED test to try to mask a huge somebody else's sample to, to try to, you know, mask his, his own uh, his own failed sample. And because of that, he sat all, out all of 2017. And then he came back, like you said, in 2018, he played 10 games. He got hurt after the 10th game. I think it was against Arkansas. And in, in that 10 games, he had 25 tackles, one pick, and nine pass breakups. And then in 2019... He had 38 tackles, one pick, and 14 pass breakups, like you said, led the NCAA. So he's not going to be your ball-hawking corner, but he's a guy that's not afraid to get physical and get in there and kind of jam up some receivers and and make sure that they don't complete any passes. So I think he's a a great fit to our team. Kind of is, uh, you know, fits a whole bunch of different roles, and we can kind of move him all over the field in in big sets and all sorts of things like that. So I think he's got a lot of versatility. He's really tough, um, and he's going to be a great Titan. Landon, I know you talk about 10-yard split a lot. He's had one of the best at the NFL Combine, 1.48 seconds. That is an indication of his recovery speed, right? And my question for you is, uh, you know, this is not the safest pick in the draft, but outside of the guys that were taken in the top 10, from a cornerback perspective, he, he has the highest ceiling, right? Like his ceiling was- to me is is shut down corner now he's got some things to figure out if he didn't he wouldn't have went 61st but for him to go 61st uh, and to get somebody with his upside I, I was impressed with the pick yeah i would agree it's, it reminds me of aj brown uh, one draft ago when we got him in the second where he was productive he was great in a great conference and you can see him translating with his athleticism and i would agree that outside of okuda and cj henderson Fulton probably has the highest upside with his size and athleticism and what he brings to us is a big, strong, physical press man corner who can match up against the bigger wide receivers that we've had problems with. Michael Thomas killed us. Mike Evans killed us. Sammy Watkins killed us. We d- we have plenty of speed and athleticism out on the outside, but we don't have the strength or size to handle these big guys. And if you want to be a contender, you have to be able to match up against any conceivable threat. And big wide receivers, they've been a problem for us. And Fulton can be a guy that can help minimize those issues. When you're talking about his speed, I actually didn't see that a ton in his press man snaps against those great receivers John was talking about. It was his hand usage, his strength at the point of contact, his press. He uses his speed as a last resort, which I actually love among cornerbacks. His technique is just his tenacity against receivers. That throws a, b- a bunch of guys off routes. And then he has four four mid 4-4 four, four speed to recover from. That's just a complete package where he wins... And he has his athleticism as a bonus. It's not he wins because of his athleticism. He's going to be a good player. He's got potential to be a, a really good player. Just put on the tape against LSU. And so to us to get him here and fit, you know, which I think you guys think thought was probably our biggest need. I really, really liked the pick. All right, let's talk third round. We went upside. Darrington Evans. We had a need for a backup, running back, of course, and just another weapon. Landon, let's talk to you about Darrington Evan. Were you surprised that he went in the third? What do you think about him overall? What's his fit with us? I was a bit surprised that we went running back, but I'd seen reports that Evans was in this range, and he was probably the best running back available, so I wasn't that surprised. He was Sunbelt Conference Offensive Player of the Year, 
And what really stands out is, obviously, he ran 4-4-1 out of the combine. He had plus agility times. And he's really just a slashing complement to Derrick Henry. Henry's this big, bruising guy that runs people over. Evans isn't really going to break through tackles. He's going to run around and do guys. And he really gives us thund- he really gives us smash and dash 2.0. You've got Henry leading the charge, taking the majority of carries, and you've got Evans' speed to just run past guys. And he's a great third down running back, I feel, especially in pass protection. His receiving work, they don't use him a ton, but I think he looks a lot more natural than Derrick Henry out of the backfield, and that's good enough. So in the third round, we drafted a complimentary speed, speed rusher to Derrick Henry. A guy who can play on third down, we can that we're confident can pass block, and a guy that can catch passes if need be. So pretty much a younger, cheaper, at, at this point probably a better Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis, when we signed him, was a guy that we thought would really lock up our backfield where Henry and Lewis were the perfect complement to each other. He is a lot like Deion Lewis as far as type of player. So our staff... It's going to have to do a good job of fitting him in correctly and using his strengths. Because I think Deion Lewis took a step back from what he was in New England. He was awesome in New England. And uh, that's going to be a big part of this because Darrington Evans, I think, could be our fourth or fifth receiver, too. I mean, the guy is good in space. He is not good at breaking tackles. But if you watch his tape um, at Appalachian State, and I did, he played well against South Carolina, and he played well against North Carolina. That's the two biggest teams that he played last year, and he was uh, incredible against everybody else. He had 18 rushing touchdowns and 1,400 yards, Sunbelt competition. But everybody in our draft class this year had a terrific combine. He ran a 4-4-1, ran a one-and-a-half second 10-yard split. This guy is super fast. He's a really good player, really good person, 5'10", Right around 200. He's not very big, though. So I think he could be our primary returner, too. So I get why they took him in the third, but we're going to have to scheme him right for him to be effective. But if we do that, he can be a really, really excellent third down back for us, John. Yeah, I agree. Uh, One thing that I love, it's sad about him, is fumbles. How many do you think he had in his college career? Yeah, he Zero. doesn't. He doesn't give up the ball, Zero. and it, it's a mindset for him. And a good, the guy yeah. is a good, instinctive football player. He's just—is uh, he going to be? And the thing when we're watching his tape, it's not like he wore down, like he was beaten up or tired. But it was just like at some point, he's just not physical. But we don't need him to do that. We have the most physical skill position player in the NFL right now. We need this guy to come in and be actually effective and be a threat on third down. And I think I think we will. This guy's from New Smyrna Beach, Florida, my favorite place to vacation. He came out of nowhere, really, because there's just so many good players down in Florida coming out of high school. Uh, Yeah, he's undersized, but the guy is a lightning bolt. And I think our offensive coaching staff is ready to kind of let it go. I think Arthur Smith is going to find a good good use for this guy. 20 reps on bench press at 203 pounds. Hmm. Good, tough kid. I like who we're adding. Guys that uh, perform well are obviously good athletes based on what they did at, at the Combine. And then, of course, everybody J-Rob drafts has a long history of production. So this draft is just more of the same guys. It's J-Rob type guys. And, of course, the first three are, are just as that. Fulton was a really good player at the biggest level of college football for two years. And this guy at his level was absolutely terrific and, and the best player in the Sun Belt last year. Our fourth-round pick, we continue to meet needs, as Landon mentioned earlier. John, tell us about our fourth-round pick. 
So this is a guy I had not been familiar with leading up to the draft, but Laurel Murchison out of NC State. I mean, he's a big dude. He's 6'2", 290. You know, you might want your defensive lineman to be a little bit bigger, but he really plays really well. I watched some tape on him, and the one thing that scouts really rave about this guy is that he has a nonstop motor. Who does that remind us of? I think that's right, Nathan. Your boy, 99, Jarrell Casey. That dude never quit. I think, you know, we're kind of getting that type. I'm not comparing him to Jarrell Casey because I don't think that's fair for anybody. No, but he's in that type. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he becomes the best he could possibly be, he would be Casey. But you're right. It's good for people to understand that when you look at him, you'll see him. He is uh, kind of undersized to play where he does on the defensive line, but he's a surprising athlete, and the guy absolutely never stops. So it does remind me of somebody too. Yeah. Yeah. He's not as talented and probably never will be as – as Jarrell no, Casey, right. Brent, he he fits the mold anyway. Yeah, and I, I don't think he will. I, I don't think he'll get to the Jarrell Casey level where he's going to Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl. But this is a guy that can really come in and contribute right away. In 2019, he had 48 tackles, 12 of those for a loss. He had seven sacks, two passes defended, and two fumble recoveries. And those seven sacks were in the first six games. So this guy, he can he can play. Um, you know, after that, NC State, they became a little bit less competitive and, you know, kind of they had a lot of injuries hit, so they weren't as successful. But this guy can really do it. And I really like him. I like the pick a lot. And I love those high motor guys. So I want to I don't want us to lose games, but I want to see if we're in a knockdown drag him game. This guy's in the fourth quarter, busting his butt, running downfield, making tackles, um, doing whatever he can to help this team. And I think he's going to. Um, he just seems like a really, really great J-Rob kind of guy. You know, came from JUCO, so he played two years at a high level, and he's taking advantage of the opportunity. So I just, I love these kind of draft picks where it's a little bit of an unknown, and they come through and end up being a huge value for our team. So Laurel Murchison, like you said, 6'2", 297. He played nose tackle at North Carolina State because he's the guy that could play nose tackle at North Carolina State, especially last year. But he played all along the defensive line. I think if he had played appropriate position for him, I think he would have done better and gotten after the quarterback more. He's been good against the run the last two years. Like you said, he's a late bloomer. He's from North Carolina. He got no D1 offers coming out, went to junior college, and then he's been a really good player for them. But I like the fact that he obviously was a 200 and Uh, 95-pound in college, no tackle. But he did it because that's what the team needed of him. He's got upside. He'll be on this team, and he will be on this rotation out of necessity. He'll be in this defensive line rotation, and they're lucky to get him here. Uh, He rose up boards because guess what? He had a good, not great, but a good combine. He ran almost five flat in the 40. And for a guy that's essentially 300 pounds, that's good. That was above average. He looks good. I'm excited about him as a rotational player. I think somebody that has that first twitch to be able to, you know, get out to get after the quarterback from the inside landing, but also consistently be good against the run. This is just another body we absolutely needed after other offseason decisions, right, Land? Certainly. If you think that Jeffrey Simmons is going to take over Jarrell Casey's snaps, which is a good assumption, then you would also think that Laurel Murchison will help take Jeffrey Simmons snaps because Jeffrey Simmons didn't play a ton coming back from injury, but we increased the snap count as the season went on. Murchison, I think we're going to use a lot more two-down linemen, so we'll see a lot more of our edge rushers, linebackers, and defensive backs. But Murchison is the Austin Johnson replacement. He's 
mm-hmm. a decent backup who isn't going to kill us because our defensive lineman can't play all game, and we put in our backup, they just run all over us. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of you talked about that he had a really good combine, Nathan. And guys, he had, he had a killer senior bowl. So this guy continues to perform. So yeah, I think, like Landon said, he's going to be great depth. This guy was seventh round or undrafted free agent until he went to the senior bowl, did well, and then uh, went to the combine and did well. And that shows me that he played out of position. And once he went and played in position, he looked good. And he earned every bit of being a fifth round pick. He, again, is a good scheme fit for us and what we're trying to do. And he's going to fit right along with our needs. And although I don't expect him to be spectacular, he just needs to do what Austin Johnson did last year and is essentially just not be a total liability when he's out there. And I think he's prepared. He's 23 years old. He's prepared to come in and do that now. So a really solid pick in the fifth round. J-Rob lives in the fifth round, does very well uh, on these day three picks. And this guy looks like a titan to me. I love you to hear these guys talk. They love football. They're good guys. They're high motor, so they don't compromise on that. There are things you can tell. Some of these guys, the technique needs to be there. The experience needs to be there. And they don't have a problem coaching somebody. But what they don't anticipate doing is making somebody a better person or making somebody work harder. And you can just tell that's they think they can, like Fulton is a good example of that. Well, we, we can teach him more technique, but we can't teach him to work hard and not be, you know, like a bad person. It's down the line. They like these guys. And when you've heard these guys on local radio come on and talk, I mean, they're, they all fit a mold, you know. They're good, tough guys that have been prolific and productive. So Murchison fits that as well. Our right, guys, uh, we did not have a six-round pick, but we're going to have two next year because we traded one of our seventh-round picks, the, the uh, Broncos. Uh, seventh round pick we got in the Drill Casey trade, and I wanted to bring that up because we don't we don't have extra picks. You know we don't do that sort of thing. We we didn't have a sixth round pick because we we traded for Reggie Gilbert, which I think was worth a sixth round pick. But I'll look forward to next year and hopefully moving forward where we can accumulate some picks because as good as we've been at drafting depth, I, John, I want to see us have more of these, right? And I want us to yeah. to be a little less careful. I know every. Like, we traded our fourth-round pick and sixth-round pick. We got good players for those. But I want to see us accumulate picks in the future. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it always makes it more fun for us to be able to pick every single round. I mean, imagine in 2017, if we didn't have a seventh-round draft pick, you wouldn't have been on that stage. <laughs> it's fun. It, sure. It's fun It's fun for the front office. It's fun, it's fun for us to dissect. And, yeah, maybe your seventh-rounders aren't the bread and butter, but we've seen a lot of these guys in the third round, fifth round. These guys are making impacts on teams, especially ours. So it's great to have more of them. You know, you always talk about the scratch-off ticket mentality, and let's just get more tickets. <laughs> right, exactly. Especially when we've seen to, to be pretty good at turning those into something. Uh, let's go to our first seventh-round pick. I like this pick a lot, and not that I think he's he might, but not because I think he'll be an NFL starter, but I think that he can be a good backup and has a really high ceiling for a guy you pick in the seventh round. Most people know Cole McDonald is the quarterback for Hawaii the last two years who had the white guy dreads and has the kind of the, the tattoos on his forearms land. But this is a guy who physically is uh, – most of the guys that you get on day three are kind of college game managers from big programs or guys you're just taking an absolute flyer on. Uh, to me, Cole McDonald, the work he did in the combine, he could literally be uh, a receiver in the NFL. Yeah, McDonald is definitely an athlete. He, at the combine, he was 6'3", 215, 4'5", 8'40", 36 vert, 10 foot, 1 inch broad, 
a bit below average in agility times, but for a quarterback, he's certainly an athlete. I see his, I actually see him having an immediate role, assuming there's a season where he'll take Mariota's snaps in those tricky packages where it's a diversion or he scrambles. We use the threat of Mariota or McDonald scrambling to manipulate defenses. I can see him stepping into that void right away where Logan Woodside just doesn't have the athleticism to recreate what Mariota was. So this guy would have been better in a offense beyond in more of a pro style offense just because he's got a cannon for an arm. He's been pretty accurate, but when he gets out of rhythm, he's not the same player. But he was in run and shoot because uh, that's the only uh, major offer that he got, and so he went out to Hawaii. The guy looked really good, but doing the little dinks and dunks, uh, that's not really his game. I'll be interested to see as athletic he is. I mean, four, five, eight. It's got a good size. I think he's uh, what, 6'3", 217. I mean, he can get a little thicker, but um, he's clearly a terrific athlete. I wonder if uh, we, we might not get a steal here. I think Tannehill will be the perfect mentor for him, John, because yeah. Tannehill's athletic and tough. Our offense, when it clicked last year down the stretch, we ran, 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 and then we went down the field of play action and you can see Cole McDonald. I'm not telling everybody he's going to be an NFL starter, but I do really love that we went ceiling here for our de- developmental quarterback, and he certainly has potential. And, again, he fits exactly what we're trying to do at his best. I agree 100%. I mentioned this guy you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about pre-draft stuff as a potential guy to keep your eyes on, and here we go. We drafted him. And me personally, I'm always partial to the Hawaii quarterbacks all the way back to Timmy Chang. There's just something... I don't know why. Maybe it's that they do the the haka before, uh, you know, games on the field, and they get all fierce and and warrior like, and they're the Rainbow Warriors. I've actually seen them play in Hawaii before years back. That might have been ninety. They were playing Notre Dame of all teams. Nice. Went, went to see them in Hawaii, and it was just an incredible experience. But but yeah, Cole McDonald, he is as tough as they come. You talked about his athleticism. He's got some similarities to to Marcus, and he threw for. 8,000 yards and 70 touchdowns as a quarterback over two years. And one thing that I really love um, is his toughness, like you guys talked about. I was reading a report, I think it was this week, last week, in his senior year, he actually had a couple cases of internal bleeding. I'm not going to get into the details of it because it's kind of gruesome, but he played through those injuries. He played, I think, two games where he was bleeding internally. An incredibly fierce competitor, and he's not afraid of anybody. You know, he he looked cool with the dreads. He shaved them off, uh, you know, before the draft to kind of be a little more modern. But but this kid is he's just an incredible competitor. And I'm I'm super excited to have him on the team. I think, like you said, Tannehill is going to be an incredible mentor for this kid. And yeah, he might not start in the NFL, but we've seen crazier things happen. Well, Tom we Raiders. need a good backup. <laughs> if we could develop him to be a cheap backup, that would keep us from having to pay some old noodle arm seven million dollars a year to come in and not do well. He could be interesting. For uh, sure. He definitely could he could put it all together he needs some coaching and he needs to be in the right program that's where we the quarterback room would be good for him and and our staff there's potential for him to be a really good backup for us and that is what we need without a doubt and uh, you know i don't want to i'm i will not compare him to tom brady but obviously the patriots had a steal in that draft i think we have a steal in this draft i'm not like again i'm not going to compare him to tom brady because it's not fair but I just think that this this guy will eventually be a contributor, and he will be a great addition to our team and our locker room. As a seventh-round pick, if he stays on this 
roster for four years and keeps us from having to spend more money at backup quarterback. He's a still even then. Now, obviously, you can go beyond that. I, I like his potential to at least have a shot to do that. Our next guy is our last pick. Really interesting player, Chris Jackson. Now, if you look, try to look him up online, he's not on a lot of the the um, scouting services sites. He's just, there's not a lot out there on him, which is interesting because he's a really good college player. Played all four years at Marshall, West Virginia. This guy ran a 4-4-7-40. He played corner and safety in all four years he played special teams because I think he knew, I think he was going to make the NFL. He, they would need some special teams tape on him. This guy's got good speed. I think the Titans might look at him to try to be kind of a unique slot, kind of like uh, Amani Hooker last year. They kind of have Although he's a safety design on, on him, maybe playing some nickel slot. But I think generally, what do you think, John? He's ideally going to be maybe our gunner, be a special teams guy, and be depth at either corner and safety, right? Yeah, he can play both. So I think he's definitely depth there. But I, I think, like you mentioned, he's going to be our gunner. He's going to be somebody who's going to fly down the field on special teams. And that's where he's going to earn his stripes. You know, he's going to be on punt and kick coverage. And he's going to be that guy that he can hit you. And he's going to come in fast. Yeah, like you said, there's not a whole lot out there on him. But, you know, definitely for a seventh-round pick, he's got plenty of starting experience in, at the college level. So why not take a shot on him? And, you know, if he sticks on the roster, that'd be incredible. No risk here. I, I love it. Yeah, 5'10", 193. Looks like a football player. I just think it's interesting. There was not much on him, but that's that's why these guys should be doing their homework. Uh, this is the kind of uh, seven-round picks you should have, I think, uh, land guys that you think, you know, kind of fit what you're doing, not just kind of, you know, the last guy on the board. Oh, absolutely. I like, I like to think I'm pretty knowledgeable on the draft. I have never heard. Of Chris Jackson, I never seen anyone mention Chris Jackson <laughs> or write about him. But look, if he sticks on the roster, even on the practice squad, for a late seventh rounder, that's a success. I don't expect him to ever play defensive snaps. But if you've got a guy who can maybe be a special teams gunner, as late as we drafted Chris Jackson, that's a good enough risk if we're not trying to find some crazy high upside. I always enjoy players that go to Marshall. Because I feel like after their their long history with the university and tragic plane crash years and years and years ago, I think it just takes a, a different kind of player, um, you know, with the right headspace to play at Marshall. And I think, you know, they, they don't produce a lot of huge talent. Randy Moss, they have a lot of players that really get, they're really tough. So, yeah, I think it's, I think he's a really great, a great seventh round pickup. My childhood friend, Jordan Hankins, is the defensive backs coach at Marshall, but he just took that job in January, so I don't think he would know Chris Jackson that well, or we would get him on and ask him about him. But I, I like, I'm like you, I like martial football players. There's a reputation there. If you are from that region, Ohio, West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky, you kind of, the assumption is that uh, you played for the love of it and you'd be a gritty player. He is, I'm sure that. I'm looking forward to see if he makes his team and what, what contributions he might make in 2020 even. Before we get out of here, guys, let's talk Fifth-year options, we were right. Corey Davis, it's just the option's too high for him being a former top-five pick and the way they currently do that. I know they're changing that. Decline, of course, that's not for this year. He'll be on our team for his fourth year to fulfill his uh, first-round contract. But this is, this would be for 2021. Dory, of course, uh, they accepted his fifth-year option. So, Landon, you first. I know there are no surprises here, but w- what do you think? Well, Adoree Jackson, who I think is an above-average starting cornerback, the fact that it's only $10 million a year, and he's a guy that's generally been dependable, is a great tackler, is a great team guy. That feels a bit of an underpay, especially for what some guys get on the open market. 
Like Trey Wayne's got fourteen million a year. He's not even near the same level that Dory Jackson is. So I'm hoping that with us picking up his fifth year option, we're working on a long term deal because Adoree has got a future as one of our starting cornerbacks for a long time. Landon, I love that. You guys know how I like Odori Jackson. I think he's just an incredible player, and I'm so happy you got the 50-year option. Um, I think it's going to be great for him, and I think it's a really smart move by the front office. You know, kind of like with, like you said with Davis, we all knew he wasn't getting that 50-year option. To pay him over $15.5 million, making him the 11th highest paid wide receiver in the in the league right now, it just doesn't make sense. He doesn't have the production. A.J. Brown outproduced him in you know, a third of his, of his catches, you know, Corey Davis is 142 catches for 1,867 yards with six touchdowns. AJ Brown is 52 catches for 1,051 yards and eight touchdowns. So even more than him. So it just doesn't make sense to pay him that kind of money. If he has a blow up season this year, we may be in that Conklin scenario again, where missed it, but I don't think we're going to be in that spot. I think if we want to keep him long-term, I don't even know what he would be in maybe the 10 million dollar range i don't know but definitely not nearly 16 right it just it was too high of a number the way it worked mm-hmm. out of course adori's fifth year option is 10 million davis is 15 million and the aj brown thing is a factor i don't know if they could have would have exercised that anyways but this is why you take the best player on your board there were other needs uh, there was pressure to take uh, right guard in the second round last year but when you take a guy like this now you have flexibility because otherwise we would have had to take a a receiver this year and maybe the guy's there maybe he's not so when teams reach and they don't meet their needs in the year or two before that's where problems happen it seems like our staff they do meet needs but it's more about 2021 and you can look at the class we just discussed and 2021 was kind of more apparent i mean look at jeffrey simmons last year and aj brown that was more about this season coming up and those are what smart teams do. We don't work for the team, and we say when we have problems with the team, it's a smart team. We, we're well run. I mean, we are heading in a direction where we have sustained success. And it wasn't about being flashy this weekend or doing something off the wall or being desperate. It was just getting locked in and evaluating all these guys and just picking who was there. Congratulations to the Titans front office on another good draft. But ultimately, this will be judged in three years. And we talk about, you know, the 17 class a lot because that's when we really, that's when you can really grade these guys, you know, because even after the first year, it's not. The development of Johnny Smith, uh, who, of course, was picking 2017 draft this year, tells you kind of uh, outlines what I'm talking about. We, you need to draft for the future. And we draft developmental guys that we like, fit our scheme. And that's how we've been able to have four winning seasons. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode, guys. I just appreciate uh, everyone that listens to us. Follow us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Podbean, however you get to us. Share us out to somebody. And we just appreciate everybody listening. For Landon and John, we'll be back with you next week. Tighten up. Tighten up. Time to hit that chocolate. (sighs) Tighten up.